Another big disappointing week for the Collingwood Footy Club following the four-goal loss to the Bombers on Anzac Day. Another really disappointing performance to sit us at 1-5 and five and currently in 17th spot on the ladder. In the last couple of days, of course, some really big debates regarding the prison bar Guernseys with uh, the angst, I guess, between the Port Adelaide and Collingwood footy clubs. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to talk about that too much, apart from saying that I care about how a club performs on field. I don't care what they're wearing when they do so. So from my point of view, I know there's the contractual obligations and, and contractual situations there. I understand that we are the black and white, but uh, for all intents and purposes, we could go out in Batman costumes. I'd be happy with that if it meant we won a game of footy. So I don't really care too much about it. I don't really understand all the uproar and major debate about it. Uh, but other than that, I will, in this episode of the Big Footy Podcast, be going through the disappointing loss, as I said, to the Dons on Anzac Day and looking ahead to Saturday afternoon's game against the Gold Coast Suns. Long here, my attack from the side, the bigger body, did it well, have a look, they've got a long one here, and McCreary gets it over the top, can he get a correct bounce? He will, Collingwood have kicked three in five minutes. Alrighty, uh, four goal loss to the Dons on Anzac Day, such a massive day and uh, such a big letdown, unfortunately, a game that Look, I'm not surprised that we lost, but I still am very disappointed. I did expect to come away with the win, and for the first five minutes or so, I kicked the first three goals. We looked on absolute fire and looked like we were uh, going to be on our merry way. But unfortunately, ever since that point, five minutes into the first quarter, we were up against it, to be honest. We were clearly the, the more inferior team throughout the rest of the game, and I thought we were pretty lucky, to be honest, uh, to hang in there as much as we did. I mean, Checkers kicked... That goal early in the fourth quarter to actually put us in front, which I think, given the general style of play, I thought it was extraordinary we were in, uh, in that position to be in front early in the last quarter. But I think a four-goal victory for the Bombers really was uh, reflected in in the general style of play. I think uh, it's a fair result, and, and as I said, I, I was surprised that uh, we were able to hang on and hang as close as we did for as long as we did uh, going into that fourth and final quarter. I mean... We look at what we can take away from the game. I, I don't want to start on the negatives necessarily, but I think the biggest thing to come from it, or a couple of the big things to come from it, so that, first of all, I want to talk about Darcy Moore again. I don't want to harp on it, but to me, I've said all along, he's a defender. He's an All-Australian defender. I don't know why we're trialling this, and I don't know why we're necessarily switching within game as well. It's just, I said a couple of weeks ago, my biggest worry is going to be that if he plays forward, struggles forward, then gets pushed back within game uh, or from game to game, then I, I worry that that's going to kill his confidence down back and he's not going to return the same player as he was prior to being trialled up forward this season. And you obviously got Darcy Moore, Will Kelly there in the side on Anzac Day, two players that, well, we know Darcy's a better defender, but we're not sure about Will Kelly. We're not sure if he's a better defender or he's a better forward. So we have Darcy starting up forward. We have Will Kelly starting down back, and they flick positions at half time. I just, it's just, it bewilders me, to be honest. It bewilders me why we're making these experiments. Well, it doesn't bewilder me why, because I get our forward line is like potency, but our defense was our go to. For, for so much of the last couple of years. And you take Darcy Moore out of that, then you take away from that 
game style. And yes, that game style might be defensive and it might be a little bit boring and it might be low scoring, but at least it's a game style. At least it's a game style. And right now, I actually don't know what the game style of the Collingwood Footy Club is. It's not defensive because the last three weeks we've had two 100-plus scores and a 90 scored on us in the last three weeks. It's not a, an offensive game because we're still only scoring 70, 80 points. It's not that. So what is it? What's our actual game style? At least if you have Darcy Moore down there, along with some solid other defenders such as you know Howe when he's there, Crisp's a good player, Braden Maynard's a really good player, Roughhead's proven to obviously be a great pickup. You've got an identity down there. And you can trial all these young guys, all these young, talented kids further up the ground in the midfield and forward line. At least, if you have more down back, you have a position of the ground solidified. And right now, we don't have that. And it, it just it bewilders me, to be honest. But anyway, talking of those younger players, those young, talented kids, kids again, it's been a strange few weeks where we've gone from, all right, let's play the kids, let's play the kids, criticizing Buckley for not playing the kids, to now Buckley being forced to play the kids because of injuries. And now we're getting into a situation where the kids are being played, but they're not being played in their right positions. And it's something that frustrates me a little bit uh, because as someone who played uh, junior sport, I, I understand where the disappointment from fans is coming from. So, for example, I think the big one is Finlay McRae, who I was really looking forward to playing on Anzac Day, and he showed nothing, but half of that wasn't really his fault. Yes, he could have done more, but he wasn't necessarily given the opportunities to thrive, let's be honest. So if you look at the center bounce attendances for Anzac Day, Josh Thomas had 18 center bounce attendances out of 33. That's over 50%. Finlay McRae had four out of 33. In what world are we allowing Josh Thomas to have 14 more center bounce attendances than Finlay McRae? Really? Is it working? No. We lost the game by four goals. If Josh Thomas is going in there and having a major impact, that's fine, but he's not. He's not. Why are we Why are we in this situation? Why is Josh Thomas getting 18 centre-bounce attendances? Finlay McRae, after coming off a 12-disposal fourth quarter against West Coast, where he played majority, or basically the whole fourth quarter, in the guts, why is he demoted now to four centre-bounce attendances out of 33? Josh Thomas should be having zero, and Finlay McRae should be having... You can add Josh Thomas's on to Finlay McRae, and he should be having 20. At least half of them. Let's say 15, at a minimum. He's getting four after 12 disposals in the fourth quarter against West Coast. What is that about? I, as an athlete, <laughs> I won't call myself an athlete. That's uh, it's being a bit too generous. But uh, I played some underage uh, cricket down here in Tassie. I played uh, underage state cricket for Tassie. Played some grade cricket down here. I uh, played for North Hobart. was my local club. Anyway, I was going through the grades uh, from under 15s, under 17s, third grade, second grade, first grade. And uh, I was playing second grade, and I was opening the batting. And I wasn't even going all that well, but I got the call up midweek, and the uh, captain of the first grade team came over and said to me, you'll be playing, you'll be debuting in the ones this week. And uh, I said, cool, thank you, uh, looking forward to it. He also said, you'll be opening the batting. And I said, wow, okay. Now, I was tipped, I was supposed to be coming up against former test bowler uh, Ben Hilfenhaus in my debut game. Opening the batting, he'd obviously be opening the bowling. Fortunately, he rocked to the ground, rocked up to the ground on Saturday, and Hilfie was a late withdrawal. But what that did for me was give me confidence that the club had confidence in me to go out there and play my role. And my role from the age of ten up until I 
retired at the grand old age of 18, my role was as an opening batsman. And to be given that opportunity in first grade, after I'd been doing that in second grade in my debut game, was a great honour and a, a great privilege and showed that the club had confidence in me. Now, that confidence was a bit unwarranted. I think I retired about uh, eight or nine games later. But at least at least they gave me an opportunity in the position where I was most comfortable at. Now, Finlay McRae's current situation going from the VFL to the AFL would like would be like an opening batsman playing playing in the twos and then coming into the ones and batting at seven. It just doesn't give the opportunity in, in the place they thrive the most. So I I understand, I think, the disappointment where Pies fans are coming from, and I share the disappointment. I don't get it. Josh Dacos had 16 out of 33 centre bounce attendances, which I'm happy with. I've been wanting Josh Dacos in the midfield more uh, and being able to use his skills around the ball and delivering inside 50, so I like that. Even Callum Brown got four. I'm not sure why. I would have preferred Jay Rantel get some. Like, it's just... The main thing is Thomas versus McRae. It doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Uh, are we going to be... The other question mark negative I had uh, on the weekend, are we ever going to be accountable going through the midfield? So I guess my question is, if you put some Callum Brown, Josh Dacos into the centre-bounce attendances and through the midfield, are you doing that to bring a defensive side of your game? And right now we're missing Taylor Adams like like nothing else. Like he's he's that one player who provides a defensive grunt. And right now we're just getting absolutely trampled on throughout the midfield. Darcy Parrish has 40 possessions, two goals. I love Darcy Parrish. I think he's a really good player. Pies fan growing up. I'm a fan. Am I that big a fan that I think he should be getting 40 possessions and two goals on Anzac, on Anzac Day? Hell no. Zach Merritt, plenty of the pill. Dyson Heppel down back in that first half. Allowed to do whatever he wants. Are we, are we going to be accountable for any of these halfback midfield types? Are we? And then up forward, Tipper kicks five. Maybe after he kicks the first two or three, you think, all right, let's chuck a Maynard on him. I don't think Maynard went to him all day, did he? Well, Magin was on him at, at times. Quainer. You just think after two or three goals, let, maybe let's put our best small to medium defender on this guy, shut him down. Just didn't happen. Let's be accountable throughout all, all positions of the ground. But anyway, let's move on to some positives from the game. There are, there are a few. First of all, I was against this guy coming in for Mason Cox a couple of weeks ago. I was against it because I think Cox is the better player. But maybe the wheel's starting to turn a bit. Darcy Cameron clearly had his most impressive game in an AFL uniform uh, or an AFL Guernsey. 22 disposals, 10 marks, 3 goals. Impressive. Really impressive. Uh, he missed the goal in that third quarter from 20 metres out, which he should have kicked. But other than that, his goal kicking was really nice. He's a guy that you can, like Coxie, I guess, can go back. And you feel safe-ish and, and confident that he'll be able to uh, to get the job done and, and kick it through the big sticks. So he was impressive. I'll give him that. And he was impressive in a forward sense. And that's what I liked. I, I look at Darcy Cameron sometimes and I think, yeah, he's more of a ruck than a forward, which takes away from Brody Grundy playing... A majority of time in the ruck, which is why I think, I, I don't know if I still think it now or that's changed after Cameron's performance on Sunday, but I am still of the belief that we need a 75% forward, 25% ruck, or, or 75% forward, 15% ruck, 10% bench kind of thing. And that's why I think that Mason Cox is a, a better forward than Darcy Cameron, but maybe that will stay in turn because I thought he, as a forward, he was pretty impressive. 
on Sunday. That stat line's that stat line's really good. Uh, another one, Nathan Murphy, first game for was it like nine hundred days or something, something ridiculous. Uh, maybe not that much, but he hasn't played since what twenty eighteen. So it's been been a while. In fact, I think it was about nine hundred days. Anyway, whatever it was, his uh, his re-entry in day for forty, I thought was really impressive. He was quiet in the second half. I thought his the, his first half was really good. I thought he's one of our best players in the first half, to be honest. Uh, and along with another young guy, I was complaining about the lack of opportunities to a McRae and to a, a Rantoul. But uh, Bo McCreary, again, three goals. What's he kicked seven in the last three weeks? I mean, this is impressive. I think if he wasn't such a low draft pick, if this guy was a top 15, 20 pick, we'd be raving about this guy even more. And the fact that he's you know a later pick is even more impressive, really. I mean, you're kicking, he's kicking two goals a week, which for a small forward, that's 40 goals a season. That's, a, that's bordering on elite. And he provides some, some of the rare defensive forward 50 uh, stuff. Not many people are providing that at the moment. He provides it. And he's actually hitting the scoreboard, which Collingwood since 2018, in terms of small, medium forwards, haven't had that whatsoever. Or more, more small forwards, I guess. I guess the medium forwards like Dugowie, uh and, and Stevenson got, got on the board a little bit in the last couple of years. But uh, the small forwards like Thomas have obviously really struggled the last couple of years. We haven't really had one. McCurry has come along, been really impressive. He's uh, certainly winning best uh, first-year player so far. And I, I like his I like his finishing around goals. He, he seems to be taking his opportunities, and that was the other positive. That's why we kept so close on Sunday. Was uh, our finishing at goal was was pretty good. Uh, other than that, not a whole lot of positive to necessarily take from it. I thought Steele, without Adams, without Dego, he's getting a lot more opportunity throughout the midfield. I think he was our leading centre bounce attendee. Got into some form, but I mean he's a what thirty one year old now. We need to see more from these young guys, and unfortunately, they're not necessarily getting the opportunity to do it. But uh, next up, we'll see uh, what kind of selection changes we may see. In fact, they've, they've basically been announced for us already, uh, given the VFL side has just recently been announced in the last couple of hours. Crisp, penetrating run, Rusco straight through him. More to Crisp, left footer, nice ball, brilliant play, Jack Crisp. So the VFL side, I think, plays tomorrow night, Friday night, and uh, that's that team's been released, which basically allows us the opportunity to uh, have a sneak peek at what the AFL team will look like. Now, we already know that Dugowie's going to return from his concussion, so that's good that he's been able to pass his concussion test and he's going to be right to go. Keane is the other one, obviously, coming back from suspension. So let's get that out of the way uh, straight away is that Mark Keane is back. Will Kelly's playing VFL, so it's basically a Keane for Kelly swap, which makes again little sense to me as a supporter. I just look at from from a team point of view. You've got two guys there who are basically untried. They've played what two games each, I think, at senior level. They're untried. They're untested. They're unproven. Now, I look at it and think, well, who's got the more upside? Who's the more likely to be a 150, 200-game player for your footy club? To me, Will Kelly has the upside. And when you've got those two guys next to each other and you're picking one of them, I'm picking the guy with the upside. And if it comes down to it, I know I was criticizing this before, but I am picking the guy who's got the potential to play at either end of the ground. 
and that's that's Will Kelly. So I'm not actually sure what Keane is bringing that Kelly isn't. I mean, Keane is clearly the, the coaching staff have identified that Keane's going to be a better one-on-one defender and he's going to be able to limit uh, whoever he's playing on in the opposition forward line. But are we are we really banking on that? Are we banking on that given he's had goals kicked on him by Darling in the second quarter against the Eagles the week before? He had... Goals kicked on him against the Eagles when he played last year. Now, yes, they're both games against the Eagles in in hostile conditions over there in Perth. I don't know. I just I'd prefer Kelly. <laughs> I prefer Kelly, but it is what it is. We'll just see. How, I wish Keane all the best. I hope he can turn into a really good footy player for us. I just think Kelly's upside is, is greater in, in that particular one-on-one matchup, I guess, between Kelly and Keane. But uh, anyway, uh, another one we know is going to debut is Caleb Poulter, which. It's an interesting one for mine because I thought, you know, being a, what was he, mid-20s selection, late-20s, early-30s selection in the draft, uh, I, th- I looked at him as someone that was potentially going to be more of a project player, 190 centimetre, kind of can play a few different positions, half-forward, half-back on the wing. I thought it was going to be a while before we see him debut, but... A couple of things have happened. One, he's been impressive at VFL level and probably more impressive than a lot of us thought he would be. And two, the senior team's really struggling. And we're struggling from a form point of view. We're struggling now from an injury point of view. So he gets his opportunity probably a lot earlier than what a lot of us thought. Uh, but he's got the uh, got the potential to be a real cult hero. There's something in the waters over there in Adelaide. They love a mullet. So anyone that's got a mullet, I think, just becomes an instant cult hero at the footy club, uh, at any footy club. So for me, Caleb Poulter's definitely got the ability to do that. I'd love to see him on a wing. I'd love to see potentially Poulter on one wing and Murphy on the other wing. Now, I know that's, that's young uh, and it's inexperienced, but for me, that's that's their positions, and as I spoke about before, you need to give young players the opportunity to thrive in their in their best positions. And I thought we saw that with Murphy in the first half last week. I thought he was impressive. I thought he's as I said, I thought he was one of our best players in the first half. So for me, I'd like to see Murphy on one wing, Poulter on another wing, and uh, try and use his height, his athleticism, his foot skills uh, to hopefully be a damaging player for us not only on Saturday but obviously moving forward into the future. Uh, and the last one I think that will come back is probably uh, Chris Main. I think he he did have that delayed concussion or some kind of concussion or slight knock. Maybe I'm getting him and Greenwood uh, mixed up. I think, oh, I know Greenwood had a concussion. Did Main just have a slight knock? I'm, I'm not even sure. I'd have to double-check that. I haven't done my research. Sorry about that. But uh, I think he will come back. Now, the ones that will go out that we know I think will go out because of the, uh, the VFL team being released, Kelly I spoke about, Imagine, I actually thought he was really, really good against GWS a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of found a spot there on the wing. He's kind of been pushed back into defense the last couple of weeks with Howe going down, and I don't know. He's he's just been disappointing the last couple of weeks, and I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what he brings as as a senior AFL football. I don't mind him. I don't mind him. He does everything kind of solid. He just doesn't have any expertise I guess in any area I mean he's not tall enough to be an absolute key defender you want him to be a third defender but as a third defender I don't think his foot skills are up to the task his foot skills are more of a key defender and I don't think he's a good enough intercept mark either and then he's too tall to play on your small types like a McDonald tip and Woody on Sunday 
So he's kind of an in-betweener that doesn't have any particular great skill in any area. So I'm not sure where he goes as as an AFL footballer. As I said, I don't mind him. I, I don't. I think he he provides you know some solid assets across the board. There's just nothing that stands out for me as an AFL footballer moving forward. Uh, he's playing VFL, so obviously he's going to get dropped. Trey Rusco. I mean, again. Where's where's the upside in Trey Rusco at the moment? He's not providing any forward half pressure whatsoever, and he doesn't really go near it. He doesn't go near the footy. He's immune to the footy. So not to be too offensive there, but I'm just going to say how say it how it is. He just hasn't provided any scoreboard or forward impact uh, for us so far in his you know few games last season. His, sorry, his few games last season. His few games. This season, he just hasn't provided us with really, really too much. And you compare him to a, a Bo McCurry type who's shown plenty in his four, four or five games this season. So Trey Rusk goes out in the VFL team tomorrow night. And uh, the last one, probably a little unlucky, uh, Jay Rantel. I, I don't know. I kind of I don't like giving a young guy one game and then, and then dropping him straight up. Now, I understand you want to try and get some more experience back in the team in Maine and Dugowie, I, I understand that. But may, maybe that could have been at the expense of a Callum Brown or something, someone that's been around 50, 60 games, who is a known identity. You don't know the identity of Jay Rantel at senior level because he played him for one game and he played out of position. You don't, like, this can't be a, a flip-flop seesaw game where a guy plays in his natural position in the VFL, has 25, 30 touches, and then you bring him in, play him out of position, then he's in for out, in for one, out for one, in for one, out for one. Like, you can't do that. Now, was he maybe just in because of the Dugowie the concussion? Then, potentially. And if that's the case, then obviously Dugowie returns. He's the unlucky one to miss out. But, yes, he, he showed little impact against Essen on Anzac Day, but as I've spoken about at length, he wasn't provided the opportunity to thrive in his natural position. So... That seems to be the four changes. Kelly, Rantoul, Madgen, and Rusko out for Dugowie, Maine, Poulter, and Keane. Are they great changes? Oh, I could probably come up with something better, but I'm not the coaching staff, and I'm not going to pretend like I am. Well, we do, as fans, try to pretend that we know more than uh, Nathan Buckley and the coaching staff, but we don't at the end of the day. So we're just going to trust in their decisions uh, and hope that we can get a result on Saturday. It's another game where... Look, I expect us to win. Gold Coast, apart from beating the uh, Swans last weekend, impressively by 40 points or so, have been pretty disappointing outside of that game. So it's a game I expect to win, but again, it's there's no gimmies at the moment. There's no gimmies at the moment for the Collingwood Footy Club, so I'm not going to be surprised whatsoever. If we do lose, I can completely see uh, a realistic position where that happens. Either way, it's gonna. I'm not sure about the odds. I haven't checked, but I'm assuming we're maybe slight favourites. In fact, I'm gonna check it right now, just to see what uh, what the kind of expectations are of this game. Because you you might not be a gambler, but usually the odds give you a fair indication of how uh, people are seeing this game. Yeah, calling a dollar forty nine, Suns two sixty five. It's obviously the MCG, which is a big big positive for us. Yeah, as I said, expected to win, but. Uh, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if we go down, that's for sure. What I want to see, I guess, from a game plan point of view is just the fact I spoke about it uh, before in the previous segment. Where's our identity at the, at the moment? Because we're not a defensive team. 
We're not an offensive team. We show no accountability in the midfield. Our midfield's depleted. We, we're not a clearance team. What are we? What are we? We need to get back to being a contested footy side, contested ball footy side that wins a contested ball, can surge it forward, and then set up in a pos- position where we are a defensive team. And that is ultimately our best chance. We don't have the cattle up there at the moment to be an offensive team that can go out and win games 110 to 100. We don't have that. We tr- that's how the game basically played out on Sunday. And we stuck with them for a while. We stuck with them, but we eventually got overrun, lost by four goals, 109 to 84. We just don't have the capability to kick over 100 points each week. So our best chance of winning games of footy is getting ourselves back into a situation where we are a defensive-minded footy team in terms of setting up behind the ball and making it difficult for the other team to score, getting back to those you know games where less than you know 150 points are kicked. And the best way to do that is have Darcy Moore in defense. Now, it's not going to happen. Keane's come in. Kelly's gone out. Keane's clearly a defender, so Darcy Moore will stay forward. He will. But, again, I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't be doing it. But we need to get ourselves in a position here where we actually have an identity as a, as a group, as a footy team, and something that supporters can hang their hat on. Because right now, we're losing games of footy, and at the same time, the youngsters are not being developed. They're not... Uh, being able to be th- thrive in the in their best position, so we we can't even you know Essendon won last weekend, but even if if they lost, even if they lose games of footy, they can see how good Nick Cox is going to be in the future. They can see how good Archie Perkins is going to be. They see Harry Jones, who I thought was horrible for three quarters, but at least got into the game, showed something in the fourth quarter. What can Collingwood fans hang their hat on to at the moment? It's it's not much, and we need to, we need to see something. Even if we go out and lose games of footy. We need to see something for the future. Right now, we're not seeing wins, and we're not seeing <laughs> we're not seeing bright spots for the future. So it's disappointing. But anyway, thanks for listening to another episode of the Big Footy Piecast. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Try and be more active and engaged on there over the next week and on Big Footy as well. But uh, once again, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, you guys have a great weekend, and that includes a Collingwood victory. Cheers, guys.